Hey, this is Stephen Blandino, and welcome to this episode of Leader Fluent. I'm so excited about today's episode because we're tackling a unique topic that I don't often hear much about, and that is seven shifts you have to make when becoming a lead pastor. So maybe you're a staff pastor right now and one day you want to be a lead pastor or or maybe you're a lead pastor and you want to train and equip future lead pastors or maybe you're not in pastoral leadership at all but you dream of one day being a CEO or maybe serving in an executive leadership role. If that's you, this episode is for you. So stick around because I think you're going to find these seven shifts extremely helpful. Hey, before we get started, would you do me a favor and tell a friend about the Leader Fluent podcast? My goal is to provide practical and thought-provoking content each month, and so you and your team or your friends, they can subscribe at iTunes or Spotify or Pandora or Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. Plus, if you could leave a rating or review, it really helps us spread the word to other leaders. So I really do appreciate that. Thanks so much, and thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoy this episode of Leader Fluent. Several years ago, I moved into the role of lead pastor when we planted Seven City Church near downtown Fort Worth. And up until that point, I'd served in a variety of roles, including executive pastor, associate pastor, youth pastor, as well as a leader in a nonprofit organization. But when I moved into the lead pastor role, I simultaneously had to make a series of shifts in my leadership. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to share with you seven shifts you'll make when becoming a lead pastor. And even if you're not leading in the world of pastoring, I think you're going to find many of these principles applicable to anyone making the shift into a CEO or executive leader role. And if you're currently in a staff role, many of these principles you can begin applying right now. So let me give you seven shifts you can make when becoming a lead pastor and what you can do now to prepare for those shifts. The first shift you have to make is the shift from serving a vision to creating a vision. When you serve on the staff of a local church, you are ultimately responsible for serving the vision set for the church by the lead pastor. Even if you're responsible for dreaming and executing in a specific ministry department, maybe you're the youth pastor or children's pastor, maybe you oversee worship or small groups, whatever it might be, your dreams are still aligned with the overall vision of the church. I remember before we planted Seven City, I I remember spending a considerable amount of time wrestling with a seven-word prayer. And that prayer was this, God, how do you transform a city? Now, I recognize that, that it takes far more than a single church to transform an entire city, but that prayer and that question was really the catalyst that God began to use to form vision in my heart for what would become Seven City Church. Well, if you're going to move into a into a lead role, you have to shift from serving a vision to creating a vision. So how do you make that shift? I would encourage you to create a vision now for whatever area of ministry you're leading right now. Just make sure it's obviously aligned with your lead pastor's vision. And then second, I would encourage you to start asking God to give you vision for the church that you will lead one day. You see, vision is formed at the intersection of of the three P's, problems, passion, and prayer. In other words, vision is formed when you understand what problem you want to solve, 
what you are most passionate about, and what you sense God saying to you in prayer. Where those three circles overlap, that's likely going to be the birthing place for your vision. So when you move into the lead pastor role or into an executive leadership CEO type of role, it requires a shift from serving a vision to creating a vision. Number two is the shift from being on staff to leading a staff. This is probably one of the biggest shifts that I had to make as a lead pastor, even though I'd been an executive pastor before and, and there were staff that were reporting to me. Now, this I, I had full responsibility of this now. And so leading a staff is very different from serving on a staff. Don't get me wrong. It, it's nice, obviously, to have a staff that, that helps you execute the vision. And it's fun to do ministry with people that are devoted to moving the church forward to a better future. But here's the thing. Staffing is not always easy and it's not always fun. You see, in the lead role, you have to learn how to hire staff, how to coach staff. You have to do staff reviews. You've got to make difficult staffing decisions. There's going to be times when you have to maybe correct staff or deal with conflict, maybe address performance issues, navigate staff transitions. All of that is part of the territory of leading a staff. And on top of that, you get to manage the ever-increasing costs of salaries and raises and benefits and all of that. So, so when you're on a staff, you don't think about any of those things. But when you're leading a staff, those issues are front and center. So what can you do now to prepare for this shift? Well, start by applying many of the same principles for building a staff to building your team of volunteers. And, and I recognize you're, you're not going to deal with all of the same issues, but many of them you will. So, so, for example, you can still, with a group of volunteers, you can still draft job descriptions. You can conduct volunteer interviews. You can create, like, you know, new volunteer on-ramping systems. You can provide regular training to your volunteers and coaching and feedback. All of these things are, are things you'll do with a staff, but they're also things that you can do now with volunteers. Begin doing that now and get that practice that you need to be able to lead your staff effectively. Because here's the reality. If you do a good job recruiting, developing, and leading volunteers, you'll develop many of the skills needed to lead future staff members. Even though you're not doing all the same things, you'll be able to get a head start. Number three, the shift from spending money to raising money. It is nice to have a budget that you can spend on ministry, right? But when you move into the lead pastor role, your focus immediately shifts. Yes, you'll spend money on ministry, but first you've got to raise it, not just for your department, but for everybody else's department as well, right? So, so now you get to raise money for staff, for buildings, for multiple ministries, for missions, for expansion efforts, for everything. So with this shift, you have to learn how to raise money and you have to learn how to cast vision and conduct donor gatherings and meet one-on-one -on -one with donors and preach about stewardship and generosity and develop a generosity culture. This is a massive shift for most new pastors. So what can you do now to prepare for this shift? Consider four quick things. First, make a list of every question you can think of about church finances. Second, meet with a CFO or maybe a business administrator that, that you can talk to about those questions. Third, study the preaching of pastors who communicate on stewardship and generosity in a healthy, uh, a respectful, a biblical manner. And fourth, interview a handful of pastors 
to discuss how they do financial vision casting, how they appreciate their, their donors, how they build a culture of generosity. Anything you can do to have those conversations now is going to begin to frame your thinking about what it looks like to not just spend money, but to raise money. Number four is the shift from occasional communication to weekly communication. Now, when you're a staff pastor, you, you may have the opportunity to preach on occasion, maybe maybe a few times a year. Maybe you're a teaching pastor and you're communicating more than just a few times a year. But, but when you become a lead pastor, it won't be uncommon for you to preach 40 plus times per year. And even more if you have, you know, multiple communication uh, settings, whether it's a, a Sunday night service, a midweek service, anything like that. So, so here's the thing. In the age of technology where people can access the finest preaching at the click of a button, right? That's no pressure, right? The, the pressure to be good every single week is a heavy weight to carry. And, and you might say, well, but, but Stephen, I already preach nearly every week because I'm a youth pastor or I'm a kids pastor. I have an environment where I have to speak every week. And that's great because you're you're, you're developing that skill set already, and that, that's a huge plus. But, but hear this. The lead role is going to increase the demand on your preparation. And not only that, but you're going to have to communicate in a manner that reaches a broader spectrum of people. Okay, Because think about it. In the same audience, with the same sermon, you have to be able to connect with the young and with the old with the highly educated and with the uneducated, with the lifelong followers of Jesus and with people who are exploring faith for the very first time. That is a skill you have to develop is being able to reach every person in the audience that you're working with. So, so how, how do you make this shift? Let me give you two things that, that really helped me and I think might be able to help you in this process. And that is that I created a communication system and a content system. Let me talk about the first one, a communication system. My, my communication system, and this is what worked for you, for me, it, it may not for you, but kind of the way I'm wired and how I think this was really helpful. My communication system was to manuscript every word of my sermons anytime I had to preach. And I still do this today. Manuscripting my sermons helped me remove redundancy it helped me craft better transitions. It helped me to be intentional with every part of the sermon. It helped me think about you know, the flow of the sermon where I needed to insert illustrations. It helped me gauge how long the sermon was going to be. And, and so I don't stand up there and read the manuscript when I'm preaching, but it helped me to develop a system that made me a better communicator. The second thing I did was I developed a content system. I became an avid reader. And, and I, it wasn't always the case for me, but, but I really just made this a discipline and a priority in my life. And every time I'd read a book, I always highlighted uh, three things, great quotes, great content, and great stories. And, and then I would give the book to my assistant and uh, they would take that and file all of the quotes, all of the content, and all the stories. Well, when you do this year after year, you begin to build a great source of material to help you develop engaging sermons. Because trust me, uh, the day is going to come where you run out of personal illustrations really quick. And, and so when you're preaching every week, 
you run out of those personal illustrations and you got to find somewhere to, 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 to go. So if you have developed a content system to help you capture quality content, file it, keep it, make it accessible whenever you need it, it's going to push you further down the road whenever you have to communicate on a regular basis. So having a communication system and a content system will help prepare you for the shift from occasional communication to weekly communication. Number five, the shift from focused ministry to executive responsibility. Now, when you're a staff pastor, your primary focus is a specific area of ministry that you've been hired to lead, right? And so, so you focus your energy on reaching and discipling people in that specific ministry. But when you assume lead pastor responsibilities, you not only do ministry, but you also assume an executive component of leadership. In other words, you, you work with a board of directors. You work with, on, on budgets and bylaws and building campaigns. You, you hire staff. You create strategic plans. You have to make the most difficult decisions in the church. Sometimes I like to say it like this. You essentially do what a CEO does except you also get to deliver an original God-inspired company-wide speech every week, right? Called a sermon. So, so how do you prepare now for this shift from focus ministry to executive responsibility? I would encourage you to start studying organizational leadership. Read leadership books, read business books, study the bylaws of healthy growing churches, um, practice creating a budget for an entire church, not just for your single department. Learn to think cross-departmentally. What I've discovered is that the most mature church leaders don't focus solely on their ministry and their department. Instead, they adopt a big picture perspective that allows them to see the value of the entire organization and how critical it is that the entire organization be healthy. So, so if you're going to shift from focus ministry to executive responsibility, you have to become a student of executive level leadership. That may not sound spiritual, but I promise you, I promise you, it will be a massive benefit to you, to your church, to your board, and, and really to the vision that God has entrusted to your care. Number six, the shift from working in to working on. What do I mean by that? Working in ministry is focused on things like preaching, counseling, uh, planning services, conducting outreaches. Basically, it's the people side and the public side of ministry. It's, it's what you envisioned ministry being when you first started out. But when you shift into a lead pastor role, you still do those things, but now you have to also work on ministry. You see, working on ministry is about things like vision, mission, values, culture, strategy. Basically, it's the 30,000-foot view of leadership and the church. And here's the thing about working on ministry. It's easy not to do it because it requires us to slow down. It requires us to, to reflect and to think and to dream. And yet, if you don't take time to work on ministry, you'll wake up one day to discover that what you're doing day in and day out is irrelevant, it's ineffective, it's outdated. You'll no longer be reaching and discipling people the way you once did because times changed, but you didn't. So, so think about it like, like this. Working on helps you produce a better in. In other words, when you work on the church, you experience better ministry in the church or through the church. So how do you make this shift from in to on? Well, 
there's a number of things you could do. Let me just give you a couple. You, you could do a SWOT analysis. SWOT stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So you could do a SWOT analysis on your ministry and then out of that analysis form goals for the future. Or you might begin by simply asking some, some strategic questions. For example, what are our two greatest growth engines and how can we leverage them for greater impact? Here's another question. What are the top 20% of my leaders? Like, who are they? And how can I invest more time in them? Or what are our greatest weaknesses and obstacles? And how can we remove them in the next three months? Or how do I need to shift funding to leverage our greatest opportunities? Or how do our current ministries have the ability to scale? Or how could I restructure staff and volunteers to prepare for greater growth? These are all strategic questions that help you focus on rather than just in. And they'll help you make that shift in ministry. Okay, number seven, the shift from doing to delegating. Here's the great thing about delegation. Not only does it free up time in your calendar, we're all for that, right? But it also helps you develop emerging leaders. You see, when you assume a lead pastor role, the need to delegate sharply increases because suddenly the number of phone calls, text messages, emails, requests for meetings, a barrage of decisions to be made all land on your desk. And if you don't start delegating, you're gonna sink. Your job is not to do, but to equip and empower others to do. So what can you do now to prepare for this shift? Start by identifying your highest priorities and then recruit leaders and volunteers to do the rest. The more you get in that mindset, the more it's going to prepare you whenever you move into a lead pastor role. You see, the, the, the more you give ministry away now, the more you'll be prepared to give it away later. So let's review. When you move into a lead pastor role or any executive leadership role, you need to make seven shifts. Number one, the shift from serving a vision to creating a vision. Number two, the shift from being on staff to leading a staff. Number three, the shift from spending money to raising money. Number four, the shift from occasional communication to weekly communication. Number five, the shift from focused ministry to executive responsibility. Number six, the shift from working in to working on. Number seven, the shift from doing to delegating. Listen, senior leadership is tough. And part of what makes it tough is the extremes that you're going to find yourself in. For example, in the morning, you might be working on a sermon over lunch, you might be meeting with a donor to cast vision. That afternoon, you may be having to address a performance issue with a staff member. That night, you might be leading a board meeting where you're making a major decision on an upcoming building project. Like the, the extremes are, are significant, but that's what you signed up for. Whether you realize it or not, at the moment, at the time, that's what you signed up for. So to help you navigate ministry effectively in your new, new role, you have to make these seven shifts. And as you do, I would just encourage you to embrace the comforting words of the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 5, 7, whenever he said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God will help you make these shifts. And as you do, your ministry impact will not only be greater, but also sustainable. 
Well, I hope these seven shifts are helpful for you. And, and hey, why not share today's episode with someone you know that's about to make a transition into a lead pastor role, or maybe they recently did, or maybe they're moving into an executive role in an organization. I think they'll find these principles helpful to their success. And again, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to Leader Fluent and leave a rating or a review. Really do appreciate that. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to bringing you another episode of Leader Fluent next month.